Hey, 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 what's up, film fans? Welcome into the Second Day Film Podcast. It is the official podcast of the Second Day Film Club. I'm your host, Brandon Champion, joined, as always, by the movie maestro, Mike Nichols, on Wednesday, April 26, 2023. Uh, what is going on, my friend? You ready for a very special episode of the Second Day Film Podcast? Yes, on this very special episode of Second Day Film Podcast, Randy has cancer. <laughs> uh yes thank you for that but uh for real mike you know i'm feeling good it's good to be talking movies i made my long-awaited return to the theater last night uh i watched john wick chapter four uh man those those movies are entertaining i tell you what uh, i think i've reviewed a couple of them on the pod here and i'll probably get around to reviewing john wick chapter four on the pod eventually but lately mike you know it's been a little bit harder uh with movies you know it's a little bit slower period i'd say with marquee movies coming out on streaming services and the ones that we really want to review require going to the theater and that's a little harder for me these days i know you've been super busy lately um so you know Dungeons and Dragons, the Super Mario Brothers movie, Air, uh, Bo is Afraid. These, there's a lot in theaters right now uh, that are worth talking about that we just haven't been able to get to the theater to talk to. So you know what, Mike? I don't know everything. I don't know a lot even. What I do know is people love countdowns. Like mm-hmm. This is just the fact of nature like content when it comes to countdowns that's why we've got a hundred youtube sites out there you know that are counting down whatever it is uh sports you know we do countdowns it's just a great easy style of content um and today on the second day film podcast we're going to be trying to wrestle the massive bear that is our top 10 tv shows of all time and mike this this was not easy i don't think for either of us we're going to sort of bounce back and forth in rapid fire fashion. Um, but you know, when you're trying to break down any TV show that you've ever seen throughout, you know, our, our 30 some years of life, uh, breaking them down to uh, 10 and, and three honorable mentions certainly was not easy. We had such a hard time with this. Like when you came up with like, Hey, we should just do like a top 10 for TV shows. I mean, we've talked about doing that before, but then we were like, you know, this would be a good time to do it right now. Like in the end of April, and we kept like we were agonizing like we like I kept asking so many okay like does a miniseries technically count or like what about if the show is still on the air and like because there were so many and then like even tonight right before this like like right as we were like talking right right before we started recording champ was you were just like look don't do this many honorable mentions I'm like I have so many honorable mentions you're like no we can't do them this is such a hard thing to try to narrow down but we will do our best. Uh, we should also clarify what the rules were. So these are our top 10 personal favorite shows. These are not necessarily shows that we think are the best shows ever made or the most quality shows, but these are just our personal favorites, shows that we love to rewatch, shows that have meaning to us, shows that we think are great. Um, and we and did to build accept, on, yeah. And to build on what you, your questions you were asking there, miniseries are included in this, uh, as are shows that are currently on the air. Although if I look at my list, uh, I guess it's about half and half maybe, but uh, it, it's just a little harder, I think, to judge shows that are currently on the air because maybe they've gotten off to a great start and we're not sure how where they're going to go from here. Um, but <laughs> yeah, know, I, yeah, I, yeah, Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, it, you know, it, it, we'll see. It's uh. So basically another, you know, a few more clarifications here. Yeah. Uh, it's our opinion. 
Um, it's only based on what we've seen, obviously. So, you know, Mike and I watch a lot of stuff. Uh, even we haven't seen everything. And I would say, yeah. you know, Mike, I don't know what Mike's list looks like. Mine, I think uh, I can speak for myself when I say this, but it's going to skew a little more current uh, for me, you know, because I am only like 30 years old. I have seen some older shows. I just don't know if yeah. I can uh, say that they're, you know, in my top 10 just because yeah. they don't resonate me as much as they might my dad. Like my dad's list will probably look completely different in this, but right. I do also yeah. think it's partly because we really are in like a golden era for TV, you know, Absolutely. TV has never been better than it is right now. Uh, it, it, you got big movie stars that are willing to be in TV series. Now I think streaming has really amplified the TV medium um, because it's just, there's just a lot more opportunities for eyeballs. So uh, that's part of the reason why it's newer. And the last thing, it's very likely that Mike and I will have several of the same shows. It's kind of very avoidable. There's some iconic shows that are going to be on everyone's list or at least most people's list if they're not crazy. So um, we'll just shout it out if we do have the same thing. But I think we're ready to do this if you're ready to go, Mike. I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. We're going to start on our list here just with three quick honorable mentions. Mike and I will bounce them back and forth because, as I said, narrowing, narrowing this down to 10 was borderline impossible uh we've both got lists of like 30 shows here i'm sure <laughs> that we could shout out but mike i'll give you the first call here give me your first honorable mention all right my first honorable mention and this might surprise a lot of people but it is the immortal masterpiece miniseries pride and prejudice it came out in 1995 it stars Colin Firth and Jennifer Ale. This is the best adaptation, not just of Pride and Prejudice, Jane Austen's incredible book, but also one of the best adaptations of anything ever. Uh, it's just so good. It's iconic. And it actually, like, as a guy, I'm telling you, I know Pride and Prejudice. Everyone's like, oh, but this is good. Everyone should watch it. It's the definitive version of one of the greatest stories ever, in my opinion. So, yeah, the I 1995... TV miniseries Pride and Prejudice. I'm That's not, my number I'm one not, honorable mention. I'm not gonna lie; I thought you were joking at first, but I'm uh, not. <laughs> I am not. It's great. It is right. so good. You don't know where my list is going now. No, no. I, I now I'm like I'm like maybe we won't have any of the same if if a 1995 Pride and Prejudice is in his honorable mention. But you know what, Mike? That's why I love you because you and me have very different tastes at times, and uh, it's good to get stuff in there. All right, my have first, you have you have you haven't seen Pride and Prejudice? Uh, not that mini series. No, I've seen the Kira Knightley movie, which watch is it. Solid. It's solid. I like that movie. Um, all right, I'm gonna go with my first honorable mention, Mike. Um, it's a it's a little show that just aired on NBC. It's called This Is Us. Uh, you know, I I really me and my wife watched this show all the way through. Uh, I know it's, it can be a little sappy. It's a little corny. It's a little formulaic towards the end. Things get a little bit too crazy. Um, but you know, Mike, when, when I watch this show, I, I really just feel good. You know, I, I had smiles mm -hmm. on my face. Um, it's so like irresistible, you know, with the family performances, Sterling K. Brown, Mandy Moore, Chrissy Metz. Uh, I mean, the whole cast really is outstanding in this. And as we just sort of learn and grow and expand with this family, it's so relatable. It's way too easy to just sort of take things away and apply them to your own life. Uh, you know, it's basically like if you watch the show, it's basically just like a big, long, like series of monologues <laughs> in mm -hmm. a lot of ways where literally like Jack character will walk into Home Depot and the Home Depot guy will give a monologue like everyone is just so insightful. And everything is like so big and have these big expounding theories about life. So it is a little bit too much and heavy handed at times. 
but it does hit you in the feels. It's very relatable. The performances are good. The music is solid. And they didn't bring it, drive it on for too long, maybe a little bit too long. Um, but overall, it was a very solid run and one of the few uh, network shows I have on my list. So this is us as an honorable mention for me. Excellent choice. I've never seen it, but everyone always says it makes them cry every episode. Yeah, make sure you have the tissues ready because uh, it does hit you right in the feels there. Uh, give me another honorable mention. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the wonderful Julia uh, Louis-Dreyfus would make an excellent Veep. And HBO said we, that's what we should do. So uh, the incredible uh, HBO comedy satire Veep is just, I think, one of the funniest TV shows I've ever seen. It's probably one of the most accurate shows about what politics is like. Uh, the, the misadventures of a vain and incompetent, uh, uh, you know, vice president and her and her bumbling staff. Uh, just it's such a sharp take on what politics, uh, you know, does not just to our country, but to us and the toxic, hilarious fumes that happen as people just spit out the most venomous it like crazy insults at each other. Like it's some of the funniest like writing I've ever seen on TV. I think this show was one of the best in political satires I've ever seen. I'd give it my second honorable mention is Veep. Yeah, Veep is one of the one of the great shows that I haven't gotten to yet. And I've heard nothing but good things. It's on my list. I'll try and bump it up here soon because I have heard it's pretty stinky. Hilarious. Uh, one, I mean, seven straight nominations for uh, the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Comedy Series. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus won six consecutive Primetime Emmy Awards uh, for her role in this show. So uh, it must be good. Her, her, I, I can see how this would be good. I know we love satire dark comedy on this show. So I could see this being right up my alley. Um, although maybe these days our politics uh, feel a little bit too much like Veep <laughs> actually is. So mm -hmm. I don't, uh, it's a little bit uh, off putting, I guess. Uh, my second honorable mention, I'm going to go with Ozark that aired on Netflix. Kind of, kind of going with the Breaking Bad uh, sort of vibe and, and uh, sort of formula here. I think Evan Dean said on this podcast once that if Breaking Bad is a good guy doing bad things, then, Ozark is a bad guy trying to do good things, uh, which I think was a pretty good way to put Ozark. Um, but really, you know, Jason Bateman created this show. He stars in it. He's fantastic in the leading role. Uh, Laura Linney as his wife is incredible uh, as Marty and Wendy Bird. And then also Julia Garner, who won several awards for her performance in this show, um, sort of a breakthrough show as Ruth Langmore. A lot of other good performances, but the tone of this show is very dark. Mm. Uh, I appreciated that, you know, the production values uh, in the Lake of the Ozarks. Um, but, you know, the tone of this I thought was great uh, just throughout because it really like puts you in this sort of chaotic mood that the birds are in and it never lets you out of it at any point in the four season run. There's always something that's coming down on them and, and Marty and Wendy to their credit are always able to wiggle out of it somehow uh, until they can't. So the suspense really never stops when you're watching this show. It's consistently entertaining. Um, mm. The tone is very consistently dark and ominous. Um, and there's some intense scenes and, and tough stuff to watch in this show. Um, but I think Ozark was sort of one of those shows that was spawned sort of from the Breaking Bad genre that actually yeah. came close to meeting it. Ozark is one, again, I haven't seen it, but a lot of people are like, dude, you've got to watch it. Like, and, and they do reference Breaking Bad. It's like, it feels like Breaking Bad, but it's, but it's, like doesn't feel like it's being too carbon copy and it's still really good. 
And I mean, I just, I love that cast. I mean, I love Laura Linney. I love Jason Bateman. Like I, that's, that's when I do want to check out. Yeah. I mean, all three of them nominated for Golden Globes, 45 primetime Emmy Award nominations for Ozark, including Outstanding Drama Series. So uh, one of Netflix's better shows that I think they've come out with. Uh, Give me your last honorable mention, Mike. Oh, man. Well, this this is so tough. It's so, so tough. Um, uh, I'm going to have to say there were there is a show that is still running. And so I say this now on like April 26th. 2023. So I don't know what the shoot, the future of the show looks like. I don't know if it gets good or bad or what happens with the, you know, creators. Like, so I just say this on this, at this time capsule in history, but uh, four little boys in a titular Colorado town have a lot of dark, surreal and profane adventures. And that is South, that is in South Park. And I, I mean, I didn't grow up watching South Park. I don't, probably wasn't allowed to, uh, watch it but uh, i remember trey parker came and spoke at cmu when we were there and a bunch of my friends were like gonna go see him and I, I i was like oh okay like i'll just go with them and i remember coming away thinking like wow like everything that guy said was so interesting and funny and he actually had a great like uh conversation about like free speech and about like humor and like the values of satire and a democracy and I, I just was really blown away at his thoughtfulness but also his like his sharp insight and after that i was like i gotta watch i gotta watch this south park show and uh then i went and saw it and i was like man this show like the earlier seasons aren't as strong for me but man it does pick up and it's some of the most creative interesting like thoughtful stuff and yeah there's a lot of poop jokes and a lot of like crazy language but and yet like it does it in such a such a human way and i i just love like how like south park makes me think about things it showcases a lot of different perspectives it, it's merciless to everyone um and yeah like south park has just been such a staple in culture and um it just feels like in some ways it's one of the last bastions of like i don't know really really like a certain style of satire um mm-hmm. so yeah and it's i think it's my only animated show i wanted to have at least one animated show on the list so yeah it's south park my last honorable mention 26 seasons 325 episodes since it premiered in 1997 like i have to admit i've never been a big south park guy like i've I've seen episodes obviously you know it comes on before or after other shows sometimes my friends are watching it and i laugh but i've never really like done the deep dive like actually right yeah all the episodes of south park and i probably should well it's because of how significant it is and i do like shows like that you know like rick and morty family guy like i like these kind of shows well it's tough it's tough now just because it's there's so much content and i'm sure a lot of it probably does feel dated now um but yeah like i don't i don't blame anyone who's like hey it's too late for me like I can't just start watching it now. There's like 20 something seasons. Uh, but yeah, may- maybe just watch the last season. You really don't have to understand like the character's history. Everything kind of usually resets. It's, the last couple seasons have been doing some longer narratives. But um, if you do want to try it, uh, let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, my my OCD tendencies won't allow me to not start at the beginning there, Mike. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not like a serialized. <laughs> like, I know it's, you know, just misadventures and there's not like big long through. But, you know, uh, we'll see if I if I get around to it someday. But I'm glad you had it. And, and there we go. We have all different honorable mentions. Yeah, um, we do. Like, my last one is, is probably going to be a little bit surprising to you. Uh, <laughs> the Sopranos is an honorable mention for me. And... Hmm. 
I know it might be a little bit sacrilegious to many because the Sopranos, yeah. for all intents and purposes, basically created the formula that Prestige TV has now. Um, right. Yeah. It's an all-time iconic show. Um, you know, created by David Chase, the way that characters sort of just naturally come in and out in this show. And, you know, it's all centered around the life of Tony Soprano played by Mike, uh, James Gandolfini, who one of the all time greatest performances in a show. Um, You know, the episode, I forget which one it's called. I think it's, it's named after their little ocean house there, but when, when Camilla and Tony have their final sort of yelling, screaming confrontation uh, it's one of the greatest scenes in in uh tv history for sure and Mm. uh, you know just the way that we get thrown into this you know mafia culture and the way these guys are and tony trying to balance his home life with his mafia life uh, all that is great and entertaining um and i and i like this sort of content but i don't maybe it's because i was really late to the game watching the sopranos i wasn't watching it when it was on its its original air and i sort of only recently uh watched it so it probably didn't feel as cutting edge and groundbreaking in terms of formula and sort of what was going on uh because i was late to the game and i had, i had seen it but you do have you can see how this show really inspired the formula of prestige TV that we have now. And for that reason, it's iconic. And I at least had to have it on my list. Even if the show itself, maybe, uh, maybe if I, if I'm not as crazy about the show itself as some others are, because a lot of lists would have this number one at all time. Yeah. And that's fair. I have to admit, I haven't even seen all of it. It was one of those shows where I never watched it when it was on. And then, you know, everyone was like the Sopranos started the golden age of TV that we're in now. And it's like the greatest show ever made. Like, and I'm just like, I just still haven't seen it. So I did try at one point to start watching through it just for the out of respect for the legacy of the show and just like just to, to be historically informed of the Sopranos, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I didn't. I, I was like, OK, this is fine. Like, I, you know, I, I made it through like part, like I think quarter of the way through season two and then just life got busy and I haven't picked it back up. But it's, it's a show I definitely want to finish. I um, it, deserve, it deserves the, the rewatch. Yeah, I mean, it, it deserves its iconic status, if for nothing else, of sort of laying the groundwork, you know, and then and the writing, the, the performances, uh, it's all fantastic. So uh, it's definitely worth finishing there. But uh, so those are honorable mentions there. People probably a little bit surprised to uh, see the Sopranos in my honorable mentions. But uh, hey, this is my list and I'm going to do it the way I want to. So, <laughs> Mike, let's get into the meat of the list here. Now we're going to run down uh, our 10 and I'm glad that we have six different honorable mentions there. We get, we're hitting on a lot of different stuff. Maybe I think we might have more of the same here as we get into our, our main list, but what is your number 10 greatest TV show of all time? Wishbone. <laughs> wow. The wow. classic 1995 <laughs> children's PBS show about the, Little dog who teaches kids about classic literature is arguably, in my opinion, one of the greatest shows ever made. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, we can say what we want about all the other actors, but did they all play every single great character from fiction in an entire show? Uh, Wishbone was Robin Hood, Mr. Darcy, uh, the time traveler. Uh, Odysseus, uh, David, um, you know, he was it's Sherlock Holmes, uh, he was Romeo, uh, he was everything. And what I love about the show, like, okay, like we're talking honestly, these are personal favorite shows. I don't think Wishbone is the greatest show ever made, 
but it was such a personal thing to me to like at 4 30 p.m on pbs channel 35 for us to like sit down and watch wishbone and i always liked reading as a kid but wishbone like really reinforced what i loved about reading and that you can escape into stories but then you can also find yourself in those stories too and yes that little jack russell terrier like goes off to these little worlds and imagines he's on treasure island or you know imagines he's like you know rip van winkle but then it comes back to the modern day with with kids with joe and david and sam and and with ellen and wanda and then you see like today's stories and you see like the things that we go through in life or that kids deal with growing up and you realize that like story is maybe the most important way to experience life i think wishbone's actually really deep and i also think the fact that they they take like these really huge complex novels and they can squeeze it into technically only like 15 minutes if you think about like a show it's okay 30 minutes long yeah but 15 minutes of the show is the modern story and then 15 minutes of the show is the classic story so it's like do do treasure island also you've only got 15 minutes do the hunchback of notre dame in 15 minutes and yet they kind of do it in really like you know crafty ways and then at the end they always have the thing where they showed you how it was made so kids could understand the behind the scenes of you know what filmmaking was like and and i just think like in terms of my life wishbone was a huge uh impact in learning not only why does story matter but why does telling stories matter and remembering them and uh yeah wishbone is my top 10 favorite show of all time two things i can appreciate about wishbone one it it teaches kids about history and important literature in an approachable digestible way so that that's important and you know it's good to have these stories psychotic literature plays whatever it is introduced to kids at a young age so you know they can kind of just get into it when they get a little bit older and the second part i appreciate about it is wishbone actually like didn't sugarcoat things completely like it actually told a truthful telling of some of these stories i mean obviously it had to cut it down it had to censor it a little bit but when something like scary or like tragic would happen in those stories it would still happen in wishbone i mean granted Mm -hmm. it was we knew that it wasn't actually happening because wishbones having like these fantasy sequences, you know, embodying these famous characters. But so, you know, we know it's not real, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I guess I just, I appreciate it for not shying away and actually giving us a kids, uh, a somewhat realistic portrayal of, of the story. So wishbone yeah. maybe a little bit outside of the box pick, but uh, it's important to you and I can appreciate that. So that's number 10. Number 10 on my list is not wishbone. <clears throat> it is Fargo. Well, it's Fargo. Uh, Airs on FX. Uh, you know, obviously it had to follow up the the wildly popular uh, movie that came out way before it. But this is an anthology series, first premiered in 2014. They've had seasons in 15, 17, 20, and one is coming up in 2023. Um, they all take place in different places, although they're sort of loosely connected, mostly in Minnesota and North Dakota. The latest season was in Kansas City, but it dumps, jumps around to different time periods and. The show always has a great cast and fantastic acting, whether it's, you know, Billy Bob Thornton and Allison Tolman and Colin Hanks in season one or Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons in season two or Ewan McGregor or Carrie Coon in season three, uh, you know, Chris Rock in season four. Uh, so there's 
really well-known notable actors that are in this show. Um, but I, it's a dark comedy. It's, it has, it has tons of Coen brothers references. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it sort of takes the vibe, the sort of off-putting, like sort of quirky, weird vibe of Fargo and makes it into more of a digestible TV show, but it, it, it has that same tone. Um, so I, you never really know where this, where the series or the seasons are going to go from episode to episode. They all have a winding sort of plot that's oftentimes told out of order or told in sort of a, a nonlinear way. So you have to watch the show closely, but there's lots of little nuggets and Easter eggs and sometimes supernatural stuff that randomly gets worked in the story. So it's like, it's all those little Coen brothers touches, um, but in the TV medium and, if the movie Fargo was a hit, the show has followed up as well. It's won tons of Emmys. Um, and I'm pumped that we're going to get a new, a new series here. And I would, I think it slips a little bit below the radar because people know the movie and you know, maybe they're like, what, they're going to make a TV series out of this. This is unnecessary, but uh, it really added to the entire thing. And I would highly recommend Fargo to anyone. Do you have like a personal connection to Fargo that like means something to you? Or no, I like, just love there, the show, man. You just love it. I don't. Yeah. I don't need to. I don't need to have a personal connection to all this stuff. I'm, I'm judging this. We might have approached this in a little bit different way because I'm judging it on shows that I enjoy watching the most, and Fargo mm-hmm. is without a doubt on that list because the writing, the performances, the the characters created are are so unique, and the way that they sort of all crisscross and interact, uh, and, and it unfolds across the season. The pacing's usually very solid, and there's usually a very good payoff. So. Big fan of Fargo. Give me your number nine. Because you haven't seen that, right? No, sadly, I haven't seen Fargo. But I have heard good things. I've heard you talk about it before. And uh, yeah, if that's your show, cool. I, I respect your number number 10. Uh, number nine for me. Again, this is a show. I don't necessarily think it's the best show ever made. But like, it's a very important show to me. Um, when I was younger, uh, some people might remember this show back on ABC Family um, for back in the day in the late 90s. Whose line is it anyway? Uh, this show was really special to me. It introduced me to improv. It also just int- introduced me to like, like you know, just a new a new way to think about comedy, where it's something so fresh, something original, something that's relevant, something that even is meta in a lot of ways. As many of you remember, uh, it was a UK show at first, and then uh, it was brought over to the US. Uh, Drew Carey hosted it. Uh, the main performers were always Brian Stiles, Colin Mockery, Wayne Brady, and then they they usually had a guest panelist. Uh, Robin Williams came on one episode. That was amazing. Man, some of the some of the stuff they did in the show, like some of the funniest stuff I think I've ever seen on TV. Or and and the fact that most of it is just it's just made up. Like you're just watching. There's no script. I mean, yeah, they they had suggestions. They may have been hinted at what the suggestions would be before time. But uh, either way, like this is still these guys just up there uh, and, and and women. But like they're they're coming up with everything on the spot and. Wayne, Wayne Brady is just like unreal the stuff he could do with singing and just like this show was just so mind-blowing to me as a kid and it definitely changed like my life in a lot of ways because now improv has been a big part of my life and uh like everyone should do improv um but yeah like who's lying I just I still can go back and just like put on YouTube clips of like you know best of scenes <clears throat> from a hat best of Colin Mockery in the green screen man when when they had Colin and he was like the green screen was him it was oh man it's just such funny stuff like it was so good uh mm-hmm. yeah i loved whose line man such a special show that's my number nine 
Yeah, I remember watching it with like my family often when I was growing up. And that was like one of the few shows where we would all we could all agree that, yeah, we're watching this because we mm-hmm. it was so you're right. It was so funny. Most of the humor was so innocent. Uh, you know, it was just like it didn't have to be really that dirty, although sometimes it was a little bit, but a little bit edgy. But it for the most part, it was just good, clean, hilarious comedy that was brought on by these hilarious dudes there and i agree just so talented between the three of them uh their chemistry between the three of them was great and whoever they decided to bring on there was always fun to see and drew carey handing out points that don't matter and relentlessly ringing the buzzer like for no reason whatsoever Mm -hmm. like the whole show was just hilarious ridiculousness um but it worked and uh it was genuinely funny i remember laughing out loud constantly uh and yeah i have some good family memories of watching who's line too so uh that's not one that i would have considered but i appreciate it being on your list i'm glad that we're hitting some different stuff right now um my number nine is a is another show that's not done yet but it it is approaching the end of its run it's the crown on netflix uh i i think uh you know some people have very mixed feelings about this show you know because it's taking a little bit of creative license with the royals and the royal family and some of these people are still alive and you know but in the end this is history and i think the crown and its creator peter morgan they really do an admirable job of sort of summing up these historic events and giving us an idea of what the vibes were like or what the, an idea of how it was when it was going on. And now we're, you know, we're getting to the point where the crown is going to tackle stuff that happened during our lifetime. Um, That's going to get interesting. And it already is getting more interesting because of that. But what I think the crown does really well, first of all, the performances, um, despite the fact that they're recasting actors because so much time is passing, obviously, but like Claire Foy and Olivia Coleman and Imelda Staunton can all embody Queen Elizabeth, but they all feel like the same person. It feels natural. And that's a big risk in casting uh, when you're, when you're basically casting different people to embody the same role, that can be a big risk. We saw in house of the dragon that worked to differing success. So I think the crown for the most part has nailed it. You can see the money in this show. Oh my gosh, it looks beautiful. The production designs, the costumes, this, uh, it, it, they spare no expense here. Um, and that's key. And I think what it does more than anything well, Mike, is that it, it provides these sort of little snapshots of the crown's life and different yeah. events that have happened through the decades. And each episode just feels so original. And I think back to season one when when they're dealing with the smog and the fog. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was just an event that I I hadn't really heard that much about. And Mm -hmm. I constantly find myself after watching these episodes of The Crown, you know, going down a Wikipedia rabbit hole and just learning about different events in history. So I think that's what The Crown does best is it it really gives you sort of a glimpse into these episodes of history and and just really sort of bears down and hammers it out and presents it in a digestible way. And uh, in addition to looking great and the performances being wonderful, uh, I just think The Crown is, is, again, one of the best things Netflix has ever done. No, I, I love The Crown. I, I agree with you that it's also like one of Netflix's best shows. And like, I, I honestly think that first season is like one of the best like opening seasons of television for a show ever. Um, John the performance, yeah, oh my god, that's that that episode where they deal with the painting where Churchill's mad about the painting of him, and like they have that fight where he's like, It's it's cruel, and he's like, Age is cruel, like, and he and just the, the whole idea of creating art about someone and someone not being happy for it, and it's just like, Yeah, but this is that's what the crown is, it's it's a it's a show about it's a show making art about like the higher ups of British power. 
And it's like, well, you may not like it, but maybe that's true. Maybe, maybe this is, maybe this is who you are. Maybe you don't like who you are. Like, uh, it's a, it's a, and yeah, the performances. I didn't. I will say the la- the latest season, season I think five, really wasn't my favorite. Se- it was probably my least favorite season of the show. But I'm even there, it's through it. yeah. even there, it's still had strong moments. And I fully agree with you. One great thing about that show is like there are certainly history moments where I'm like, wait, whoa, this happened. Like there was a landslide that like took out a whole village. Yeah, that whoa. was a crazy one. Like oh, one of like like one of the higher ups of the family was like maybe gonna sell them all and betray them to the nazis like what did not know that like uh yeah just some very interesting stuff that the show reveals uh i i think it's a great choice um i'm interested to see how it ends though because well, we know what's coming we know what's coming <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean... uh but uh yeah and people get upset about the historical inaccuracies i get it but you just said it this isn't a you know scene by scene blow by blow portrayal it is a it's still art it is still a tv show it is an interpretation of real events you know we don't have the answers to all this stuff and i think the crown does an admirable job of doing that but uh that's my number nine uh what are we at your number eight right my number eight um have you ever just wanted to watch a show about nothing (laughs) Uh, well, the greatest thing about Seinfeld was that it really wasn't about nothing. It was about everything. And, uh, yeah, like, is obviously considered, like, again, like, uh, up there with Sopranos is considered one of the best written shows of all time, and obviously one of the most iconic shows of the 90s. It's Seinfeld, man. I love Larry David. I love Jerry Seinfeld. I love Jason Alexander, Julia the Drivers, Michael, everyone in that cast was just so perfect for those roles. And just the way the show deals with like those little social quirks in life, the little, the little like societal rules that people don't always talk about, but are there like the inner selfishness of people. Like, like if you think about what sitcoms were at that time where they were in some ways trying to be very family friendly, focus on like positive morals, Seinfeld was the complete opposite of it. Like it was the show that was like, yeah, but people are actually kind of selfish or actually this is the way things really are. Uh, this is the this is the more cynical take on the world, and even people from New York who lived in the '90s during that time, they will say, in some ways, Seinfeld was a documentary about what it was like to be alive in New York in the '90s. Um, so many classic moments, so many funny things that I still think about moments that like happened to me, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, this was in Seinfeld. Uh, it's just such um, it's such a funny show. It's such a good show, and it's one of those shows that you can always just go back and watch it, and it still kind of feels relevant in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, man, I, I love I love Seinfeld. Seinfeld, you know, I haven't seen every episode of Seinfeld, but I know it would be on my dad's list. He loves Seinfeld, and I he would always watch it, you know, with growing up, and I would we would sit there and watch Seinfeld with him and see episodes. But it does sort of have that timeless feel to it where it's so quintessentially nineties, you know, with the laugh track, yeah. the live audience laughing. And yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I love the little cut-ins just in the episode of Jerry Seinfeld actually doing comedy. It just makes it feel much more just like real. And uh, you know, I love that he's playing sort of like a fictional version of version of himself that is still kind of like himself, uh, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just Jerry Seinfeld's voice is, is recognizable, even if you've never really watched the show. Um, so yeah. And that sort of cemented the sitcom as a, a big part of American culture. I mean, you, you think about some of the episodes on there, whether it's the Marine biologist one or Festivus is celebrated by people every year. I mean, it's still relevant 
in the public culture, even though it's been off the air for what, 15, 20 years now. So yeah, so uh, good. I, I'm, Seinfeld's not on my, my list just because I don't think I've seen enough of it. Um, but I, I appreciate being on yours. All right, so I'm kind of surprised that we haven't had any of the same yet. Maybe we'll get to it here. Uh, my number eight is another show that just aired that is currently still airing. It's called The White Lotus. It's on HBO. Uh, Mike, we've talked about this show on the pod. We've talked about it off the pod. Uh, I don't think we reviewed the second season, but uh, you know, I remember we reviewed the first season when we did this, and uh, it's just a show that is perfect for uh, oh, yeah. today, for, for today's world, for the self-centered people, for the you know, the, the rich people that don't care about anything, you know, uh, it's basically just a lambasting of rich people and how there's no consequences for their actions and how the little man will always get screwed over. There was a lot more of that in the first season than the second season, whereas the second season, I think, leaned into ridiculousness and sort of that mm. meet the Fockers uncomfortable sort of vibe <laughs> a little bit more. But regardless, the characters are amazing. The writing is hilarious. The performances are wonderful it looks amazing and the way that the show sort of builds tension either through its music mm-hmm. um and just this constant you know dude it's all stuff we've said on the pod before um but uh the show just has a vibe that mike white who created it has nailed and i hope you know rumor has it that season three is going to be in thailand with an entire new cast of characters um and i hope the show can keep going and keep hitting on a high level because uh it just hits all the right satire dark comedy notes that i'm looking for i mean yeah i love white lotus uh i've seen both seasons uh it's definitely like one of those sharp satires of today's world and uh i'm kind of surprised you picked it though just because it's it's only two seasons and we still have probably a lot of life to go in the show it's Uh, enough for me it's been so enjoyable and it's so fun to watch like it's so fun and the theme song in season two like when that theme song, you know, the theme song is obviously oh, yeah. one thing in season one. And then in season two, it, yeah, I was literally just doing that, uh, by the yeah. way. Uh, so <laughs> I might I might splice that in here uh, uh, when, once funny. I get it in the episode. But uh, yeah. yeah, but then the second one, it's like you, you've got like this techno version. And as it builds, you just get like more and more hype. And then by the end, I'm just like, yes, this song is an absolute banger. Like the vibes and, and just the, it's just such a fun show to watch you know i think yeah, that's very i think fun. that's why i like it so uh the white lotus yeah you're right we do have a long way to go here uh it could tail off a little bit but the first two seasons i think i might even have liked the second season more and i was initially worried about them doing a second season but they just continued to nail it and i think i think they continue will continue to nail it because mike white seems to have this sort of style and what he's going for down to a T. So as long as they can have good writers and keep getting good actors to get on board, I think the white Lotus will continue to be a very exceptional show. Um, What's your number seven? My number seven is, well, I I would say, (laughs) shoot, I'm trying to, trying to make sure I get the, get the wording right. Hang on. I I have to Google this real quick. Oh yeah. My number seven is about, The story of a wealthy family and the one son who had no choice but to keep them all together. It's uh, it's Arrested Development. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Mitch Mitch Hurwitz, uh, uh, Fox sitcom, early 2000s, the story of the very dysfunctional, wealthy Bluth family and their misadventures. Uh, this was, uh, man, this was a huge show for me. I, like, when I was in college, this completely blew my mind the way they did comedy uh the the acting the character like development 
Um, the show was just incredible. Sadly, not a very loved show by the network. Uh, even though this was a critically acclaimed show, they just couldn't really find the right audience for it. And it only lasted three seasons. But man, was this show great. Um, they did bring it back. Netflix brought it back for a couple other seasons that uh, we don't need to talk about. But those first three seasons are just absolutely like phenomenal. They're so witty. They're so full of sharp puns. And the characters are just like... They're so iconic to me. They're so just so funny. And really at the heart of it, though, is a very interesting family show. There's a lot that you can watch and be like, yep, like maybe like maybe your dad's not going to prison for uh, light treason. But uh, there's a lot about that relationship with a dad someone might relate to. Uh, you know, maybe your siblings aren't, uh, you know, a crazy magician and a guy with a hook who's obsessed with his mother and you know <laughs> a very 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 uh you know selfish socialite who can't remember what grade her daughter is in but there are still things you can relate to uh anchored by a great performance by jason bateman and some of the best comedy acting of any cast ever um the rest of development is uh is always going to be special to me I have not seen Arrested Development, but uh, heard some good things. You can see the difference in mine and, mine and Mike's sort of viewing tendencies when we're doing this list. <laughs> Mike, a little bit more into comedy than I am. Not to say that I don't watch comedies, but uh, the comedy sitcoms coming up where I'm always, you know, rattling off these sort of prestige drama <laughs> shows. But, you know, that's fine. There, there's room for all that in a top 10 countdown. And uh, Mike and I have different tastes at times, so that's okay with me. Um, no, I, I agree. Pride and Prejudice is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm just saying you got multiple comedies, and I know there's going to be at least one more on your list. So, oh man, uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Collins, what what a character! <laughs> uh, my uh, number seven is another show that's still airing, <laughs> and it's uh, <laughs> it's coming down to it right now. It's Barry. I love the show Barry. Barry, fantastic show that i'm not sure enough people are watching but created by alec berg and bill Hader, also starring bill Hader. uh we've got performances across the board here henry winkler anthony kerrigan sarah goldberg steven root uh, i mean they all just deliver in this show every single outing they're getting into it and i love this show mike because it really i mean it's about a hitman who goes to la and learns to be an actor like Mm -hmm. what a premise i mean that's one of the more original premises you're gonna have on a show um and it, it's totally as i love about the show is everything's original the the setup the story the vibes of it sort of the dark comedy feel that they have in this because while you're watching barry there's like some seriously like messed up stuff going on uh on screen but for some reason none of it feels scary or dangerous it all feels funny <laughs> and that's like such a balance that they hit in this show that is just amazing because Basically, every one of the main characters portrayed by those actors and actresses that I just named, they're all kind of deplorable people. It's basically like people channeling the worst aspects of themselves, but still thinking that they're good people. And worse, worse yet is we, the audience, find ourselves rooting for these deplorable people. And it's just it says a lot about the writing, the character development, the acting that Alec Berg and Bill Hader can sort of get us to care about these people and actually root for them at times, even though what they're doing on screen is absolutely sick and terrible. Um, and then it's portrayed in different ways. They, all the characters have different flaws. Obviously Barry's a hitman, So he 
kills people. It's kind of an issue. Um, but with a very limited setup, they've somehow managed to have four super enjoyable seasons that are nice tight arcs for all the characters. They're not dragging it out longer uh, than they have to. And just everything hits with Barry. And I find myself laughing out loud a lot. Um, and so the fact that this show can hit the comedy while also uh, giving us some pretty good action sequences uh, and some pretty dark themes while making it enjoyable and funny and sort of lighthearted uh, is a true testament to how good of a show it is. And I think more people need to watch Barry. We've got Barry airing right now, uh, the final season. So if you want to catch up before it ends, feel free. I know you've watched some of Barry, right? I watched all of season one and I did enjoy it. Uh, I I have, I need to watch more of it before I'd rank it as my, one of my personal top 10 favorite shows of all time. But I, I like, I liked what I saw. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch more. I would recommend it. Or I would definitely give it two thumbs up for me. I'd love to hear what you thought about it. So mm. what are we on to your number six? I cannot believe we haven't had anything the same yet. I, I feel like our top ones were, I, I feel like there's at least two shows we'll probably both have. I and, think there's uh, more than that. Personally. Well, I think, I I'm going to say there's going to be four that are the same, five that are the same. Maybe, maybe. I think this is one you'll probably have. Number six for me. And I, I'm just going to preface this by saying the final season of this show is arguably one of my least favorite seasons of television. However, the first seven seasons are, I think, some of the best seasons of television. So I, that will weigh it out for me. But I have to say, it's Game of Thrones. I loved Game of Thrones when it was on the air. I used to do Game of Thrones watch parties with my friends. We'd like I read part of the books and then I realized like I spoiled something for myself in the books and I was like I gotta stop because I, I think I'd rather just take it take it in the story in from the show. So um yeah man, this show changed the landscape of what people thought was capable on a television show. Uh the special effects, the scope, the scale, uh the drama, it was just an incredible achievement. And yeah, like I I I'm definitely one of those people that I did not like how they did the ending i i'm interested to see what happens with the book endings but uh that, that all that aside like had the show just ended at like the end of season seven it would still be one of the greatest shows of all time to me so um yeah like a few shows really captured the heart of finding nuance in all sides of power and like the struggle of those at the bottom of the game that like suffer through it and um yeah like i read read somewhere that people watching game of thrones started to think about war differently and they said like well like, there's not really good guys and bad guys like there's good people on all sides and they they get stuck in these battles that aren't really their fights because rich powerful people at the top like, like have their own issues and it's like people started to think differently about to watch the show like um that's and that's a great accomplishment for any artist to say that they got to do through the art they made so well, the show had its flaws, and I don't think like all of it will be looked back on as well. I still think you have to give credit where credit is due. And at least for me, Game of Thrones was an incredible show to to watch. So my number six is Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is my number one. That's not going to come as any surprise to you, I don't think. It's not going to come as any surprise to uh, most people that know me. Uh, no. All the things you said spot on. I mean, it pushed the limits of what you could do, what anyone thought you could do in television. 
so many iconic moments in this show, you know, whether it's the Battle of the Blackwater, whether it's Hardhome, whether it's Battle of the Bastards, whether it's Drogon landing in the arena and blowing people mm-hmm. away. Uh, I mean, just the technical marvel in this, it made stars out of household names of basically every single person in the cast. Uh, 59 Emmy Awards, that's most by any primetime series, more viewers than any show ever on HBO, which is saying a lot. And I get it. I hear you people on the last season. Uh, You know, I I think it's personally a little bit overblown how bad the season was. It was rushed. Uh, Making it shorter was not a good call. Uh, The the Benioff and Weiss clearly wanted to get out the door. Um, But I don't think it takes away from the the greatness and the the perfection that was the previous seven seasons. We've never seen characters built up on this kind of scale and this kind of world and TV where we cared about this many people and warring factions. And that last season still had its moments, that whole episode when they're sort of waiting uh, for the, for the, the others, uh, the white walkers to attack uh, Winterfell, I think is a great Mm -hmm. episode. I think Mm -hmm. when Danny's laying waste to uh, King's landing, you know, you might be mad about those motivations. You might be mad about the pacing that it took for, to get there but when you're actually watching it it is still pretty incredible and still one of the best uh tv shows or episodes of tv ever so you know the reason people were upset is the 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 standard that they had for game of thrones was absurdly ridiculously high and uh, a subpar season of game of thrones is still better than 90 percent of television in my opinion um and i just think it people sort of piled on and uh, you know, like maybe like non book readers and whatnot didn't really, you know, understand some of the nuances. I just think it sort of became like the cool thing to do is rip on Game of Thrones because it got too big for its right. own good. So I'm not saying yeah. it didn't have issues the final season, but I don't think it was as bad as it was. And uh, spoiler alert, it's my number one. But I, I suspect you probably knew that was coming. I figured it would be your number one. And yeah, I do agree that like some of the some of the hate was a bit like unfair. Like, I mean, say what we will about the writing or the plot or the ultimate outcome of the show. Um, I was dissatisfied by a lot of it, but the actors all did the best they could. And I have no, I've, I, I don't think some of the hate that gets directed at it is fair to the actors. I don't think it's fair to the cat, like the crew who like set up some incredible, like, you know, locations and sets and, you know, all the work that they went through, there was so much heart and soul and blood, sweat and tears put into it. And also the special effects of that final season are still like amazing. And like, you know, I, as, as rough as it is to like enjoy that final season, I do agree with you that like the production values and the actors were all still phenomenal. And so I will give credit to where credit is due, but uh, yeah, uh, you win or you die. Uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> What a, what a legend. And yeah, it died. I mean, and that truly was one of those shows where S- Sunday night was appointment viewing, you know, like we had to wait. Oh like yeah, absolutely. Episodes and the whole internet. And that was all the talk around the water cooler. And oh yeah. Stuff, you know, at the end, yeah, it was, it was, was a cultural truly, landmark. Yeah. Yeah. Truly an event. So uh, all those things considered and the quality of the show, it's my number one, but uh, back to my number six, uh, it's a little British show called black mirror. Which yeah, Mike, which Mike, by the way, we got news today that a new season of Black Mirror is coming oh, this uh, summer, which I'm so I'm excited really fired up about. Yeah, yeah. And if, people, oh. if you haven't checked this show out, I mean, it is basically yeah, it, 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 the Black Mirror basically is what happens when you look at a screen. It's a black mirror. If you look mm-hmm. at your computer and it's shut off, it's a black mirror. So what this show does is sort of deals with kind of not always the dangers of technology, but kind of 
a warning about technology. It looks at technology in a sort of futuristic way and how maybe things could end up impacting our lives in ways that we don't know. You know, sometimes it takes it to an extreme. It's an anthology show. So every, you know, episode is different and dealing sort of with a different aspect. Some of these shows are amazing though. Like when, you know, early on the guys who have to like run on the treadmill to earn their way up into the oh, higher office or the Bryce Dallas Howard episode when yeah, nosedive oh, or uh, San Junipero when the girls are like living in a mm. simulation. Um, mm-hmm. There's just so many cutting edge, unique, original ideas that are portrayed in Black Mirror. And the crazy thing is some of them have actually come true. This show yeah. has sort of developed a reputation for having an episode that has basically become true in our in our modern life. So, um, you know, some of the last season was hit or miss. I wasn't a huge fan of the, the Miley Cyrus episode, um, but it'll be exciting to see a new season because whenever you turn on an episode of black mirror, you're not quite sure what you get, what you're going to get. You just usually know what you're watching. Isn't really what you're watching. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad you, so I told you that I had like seven honorable mentions and you told me, no, I just had to pick three black mirror was one of my honor. My, that was in like the honorable mentions that got cut, but I, I love black mirror. I think it's such a, such a sharp show, such a smart show such a convicting show like you watch black mirror and you're like man i'm so guilty of all the crap i'm seeing on these screens like and i i I don't really i don't know how to fight it i don't know how to deal with it sometimes and yeah just some of those episodes are just unforgettable like the the star trek episode uh uss calcer um i also love like i know it's not everyone's favorite i think it might be one of mine though i love the b episode I think I think that is such a great like way to frame the idea of technology is almost like these like you know plagues that has now been used and it's not because of the technology it's because of the people like you know we are the, the technology is just extension of us we just have a longer sword now you know it's such a fascinating uh sharp take on the relationship between humans and technology as we you know, lead into, you know, this new AI age that we're kind of entering. It's, uh, it's a, it's a great show. I highly recommend everyone watch it. And yeah, even watch the first episode. I know everyone says skip the episode one, but no, it's just solid. You have, you have to sit through it and you have to just, you have to like, you have to be ready. <laughs> so, I have to say, it does annoy me that that is the first episode because I'll try I to recommend Black, Peer- Black Mirror to people and then they'll watch that first episode and they'll be like, what the hell is this? And I'll have to be like, I love it. trust me, not all the episodes are like that. The, Just keep going. The, the, gall, the gall they had to make that episode one, respect. Charlie is uh, a legend. All right, number five for you. Uh, number five. Well, folks, uh, this is a spinoff show, but it's the, maybe the greatest spinoff of all time. Uh, it's Frasier. I I really love Frasier. <laughs> all right, shut up, man. So that's not where I thought you were going. <laughs> Frasier uh, before Game of Thrones uh, and Breaking Bad. Frasier was at one point like the highest like nominated television show of all time. Um, it's, it follows the psychiatrist, Dr. Frazier Crane, uh, from the show Cheers, as he returns to his hometown of Seattle to start a new life with his dad, Martin, and his brother, Niles, and, uh, his father's physical, uh, assistant, Daphne, um, and of course, his, uh, really fun producer, Ross Doyle, uh, physical therapist, uh, Daphne's physical therapist, um, 
but uh yeah like this show had such witty dialogue it was so like smart it was also very timeless in a lot of ways because Frasier doesn't really rely on pop culture references it relies on like historical or classic references and then it also deals with like human psychiatry and like the dynamics of human behavior not any particular like you know personality types even uh well i guess personality types it certainly deals with but like it doesn't deal with like in some way stock characters it just deals with like like human nuance and um and culture and it's such a such a well-written show um i also love that fraser will get like really surprisingly deep like i definitely have moments of like my life where i actually think back to a certain line of fraser show and i'm like you know there there's a moment where yeah fraser suddenly drops the comedy and just shows you, hey, the bare bones of what makes this script work is this core human truth, or this core human fear, like, and it's just wow, it's 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 such a sharp, like, smart show that I think a lot of people, if you didn't grow up with it, you may have missed it. Um, but I I love Frasier. Uh, it's a very progressive show in a lot of ways, and like for me when I was younger watching it, like like it definitely made me see the world in a bit of a you know a better way. I hope. And I, I have really special memories of watching this show, especially with my dad late at night. And we just, we loved watching Frasier together. Um, I always think of my dad about Frasier too. Um, and yeah, like, uh, I yeah, there's so many times in my life I've thought about little advice that Frasier gives or lines that happen in the show that make me rethink the choices I want to make. And I'll give you one that was really special to me. It's in the very pilot episode. And Frasier is talking to someone who calls in and it's like, you know, I've, I've, I've just broken up with my boyfriend. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I feel like I've lost my life. I, I think I'm in mourning. And he's like, you are in you are mourning. He's like, but you're not mourning the loss of, like, your boyfriend. You're mourning the loss of what you thought your life was going to be. Let it go. Things have a way of working out, even if it doesn't, like, work out the way we planned. And it's such a, like, heart-stopping, meaningful moment in this, like, very witty show that just grabs you and like i've thought about that line so much in my life when things don't work out or, or whatever so yeah like i'd say fraser is proof that humor really can be the best medicine go watch fraser 11 seasons 264 episodes of fraser so i, I never really watched fraser but uh um you know i know you're a big fan so uh good good inclusion my number five mike i think is going to be on your list so sorry for stealing your thunder but uh uh, the Wire is where I'm going to put uh, mm. number five. It's uh, a show that I'm almost done watching. I have a couple more episodes of season five. And, you know, Mike, I turned this on. You had recommended it. I know it's considered one of the greatest shows of all time, um, you know, created by David Simon. And, you know, I, I popped it on and started watching it in the first season. I'm kind of just like, OK, you know, this is interesting. It's a little bit dated. Um, you know, the characters are good. You know, we're popping in and out from, you know, the, the street and the and the the police office or the police officers. And I'm just like, it's good. It's solid. I'm enjoying it, but I don't, I, I wasn't really seeing what was making it so great. But as the show goes on and you see the parallels between all the, all the different aspects of Baltimore. And as they start folding in more aspects of life and incorporating more characters and they'll, you know, they'll, the characters will pop in and out and they'll, you'll see a person that was introduced in season one that randomly shows up in season four. And uh, you know, just the way that they sort of flush out the world of Baltimore and how all these things are connected to each other. 
you really start to realize what David Simon was trying to do and, and what kind of commentary he was trying to make. So uh, I'll just, I'll, uh, you know, the performances, the writing, uh, everything about it is amazing. And how he uses Baltimore as sort of a snapshot of America uh, remains very relevant and powerful now. So I won't talk too much more because I know you probably got plenty to say about The Wire and I'm sure it's on your list. Oh, uh, I'm really glad you're watching it and that you're liking it. Uh, I, I'm, yeah, The Wire is uh, my number one. Uh, I love The Wire. I watched it in college when I was like studying journalism and I was a student reporter and it had a huge impact on me. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was created by David Simon, who was a Baltimore reporter. Um, you and I have both spent a lot of time of our lives in journalism. And so like this show is really a journalist basically taking all the stories that maybe he wasn't he couldn't always write about and just throwing them all into a show that was his kind of manifesto about the american dream uh i think at the heart of the wire it really is about the fight for the american dream the setting is the idea of the american city they use baltimore because it was his city and then it explores that through all the institutions um I mean, they use kind of the setting as the, the war on drugs, but uh, they they cover everything. Like the first season focuses on the drug deal and and the, the institution of the police with uh, its relationship to the drug deal, and then the second season focuses on uh, you know the port system, uh, the you know the the unions. Third season focuses on like the politics, the bureaucracy, like the mayor's office. Fourth season is the schools, the education system, and through the, the the boys. Oh my god, the boys! It's the most heartbreaking TV stuff. And then the final season, season five, it's it's really the the media or like the ones telling the story, the ones sharing the information, the ones trying to find truth. <laughs> and uh, like it, the show has so much like Greek mythology baked into it. The show has so much like you know powerful true life history baked into it where it's like oh yeah this character is based on this person i think one like people who actually were drug dealers come in in the show and they play drug dealers and it's like uh these characters are based on real life people that these people knew and it's it's so authentic in that sense um it's so accurate in terms of portraying the bs of society the ex the exploitation of people inside these systems it also shows in some ways that like the systems are the real enemy, not the people. People just have like, you know, their own interests and their own needs and, you know, their own goals. And, but they're all stuck in these different systems that are in some ways destroying them and turning them against each other. And, and yet the mm -hmm. systems are also created by people. And it's like this weird, like, you know, catch 22 where it's like, well, is it the system or the people? And it's like, well, what's the difference? And, but, but there is, and yet the show explores it so smartly. Um, it's, it's, it's brilliant. Like I, I go back and I rewatch it a lot and I'm just like, I, I just can't even fathom just some of the creative decisions they must've had to make the, the process of trying to tell everything. And even if you go back and watch it again, again, again you'll catch stuff. You'll catch stuff. That, like you didn't even know. I watched uh, David Simon do like a, he was doing a, like a, a lecture somewhere and someone asked him about, Hey, is this character related to this character? And he said, yes. It's never touched on the show, I don't think. It's like maybe briefly hinted at, but it was like, oh yeah, they had this whole backstory to it. Even like the way the characters smiled or something. And they're like, yeah, that was the choice we made them do because the characters would be related or something. 
And it was like, whoa. I don't want to tell you who the characters are, but because uh, I know you're still watching it. But uh, yeah, like that level of detail. Um, it, the show is really just the story of like the biggest the biggest things in life and the biggest problems with the world. The show encapsulates all of it. Um, yeah, I yeah. mean it, it's, it's, it's the best show. I think it's the greatest show ever made. It's my number one. Please go watch yeah. The Wire. I mean, it's so <laughs> accurate and it's in the way it explores society and politics and especially urban life. I like how Simon oh, yeah. descri- I like how Simon described it when he said that. Uh, this is Simon. He says, despite its framing as a crime drama, the show is really about the American city and about how we live together. It's about how institutions have an effect on individuals, whether one is a cop, longshoreman, a drug dealer, politician, a judge, or a lawyer. All are ultimately compromised and must contend with whatever institution in which they are committed. And that really does sum up the show and sort of what it's going for. And and really the whole is better than the parts of The Wire. And that makes makes an amazing show. So uh, there we go. We both stole each other's thunders uh, on our our number one. So I guess we're even now. Uh, Let's see. Where are we down to? Number four for you? uh yeah i think well because now i click out the wire so yeah i've got number four now okay so number four is also one of those arguably greatest shows of all time um it's the story uh it's it's a modern day western about a school teacher who finds out he has cancer and decides to make some math to (laughs) make some money uh breaking bad Oh man, this show, uh, Breaking Bad. I think it's maybe the most awarded show of all time, according to Guinness. Um, as like, yeah, I don't like it's gotten more awards than any other show. But uh, man, this is this is one of those shows that was just like edge of your seat television every week. Uh, Breaking Bad was one of those shows that no one like. If people were watching it, they could not stop talking about the show. I didn't watch it while it aired, but I waited until like the last week that it aired. And then I went and watched like everything and I I binged it pretty hard. I mean, it's, it's an addictive show Um, much like the meth that is set as the central product of the show. Uh, But yeah, man, like unreal performances from Brian Cranston, Anna Gunn, Aaron Paul, Dean Norris, Betsy Brandt, RJ Mitty, John Carlos Benito, Bob Odenkirk, Jonathan Banks, like Jesse Plemons, Laura Frazier, everyone. Just, uh, I mean, I think Anthony Hopkins, like, wrote after he he binged the show and he sat down and wrote them a letter or something and was like, this is the best acting I've ever seen in my life. Congratulations. Like, something like that. It was just unreal. I mean, it's it's definitely one of those shows that everyone talks about as, like, maybe the greatest show of all time. Deserves to be talked about like that. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those great shows that takes, like, Takes people who think, oh, this is this is going to be the hero we root for, and it ends up being the villain of the whole story, who we still kind of root for in a weird way. Uh, well, but it, yeah, it it kind of shifts actually, and and that's what I think Breaking Bad does. That what maybe yeah. Breaking Bad has done better than any show ever is Brian Cranston's arc as Walter White mm. is one of the truly mm-hmm. great arcs in television. We get to witness absolutely. Him go from being a guy who has pure intentions for doing a bad thing to basically turning into a monster where his original justification for what he's doing is no longer relevant. He's not doing it because he wants to get money for his family. He's doing it because he likes it because he is the one who knocks as he says in the show. And to to see, you know, this 
Gentile school teacher go go from that to you know this basically like cartel monster who's killing people at will and doing whatever it takes to get by and save his own bacon uh, is a truly great arc. It, Breaking Bad didn't go on longer than it had to do. That's another reason that I think it's excelled just 62 episodes over five seasons, which is a good long run, but it's, it's, it, you don't ever feel like anything's wasted. You don't feel like they're, they're dragging it on longer than they should because they have to again, truly iconic moments. You know, I think of Walter just laying and cackling in the crawl space as the camera zooms out away from him, uh, just in a truly iconic moment in television history. And Vince Gilligan, amazing. Obviously, he's known for him and his, his uh, editors are known for sort of doing montages and and clever stuff with angles and 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 stuff like that. Um, but you know, there's stuff in this show where you know nonlinear storytelling where they'll tease something at, at the beginning of a season and then we'll see how that plays into later stuff. Some truly shocking moments in this show kept you on the edge of your seat and was just again consistently good and consistently riveting um and it's my number two so i mean i figured we'd both have breaking bad you have it a little bit uh, further down but uh definitely worthy of being called one of the greatest television shows of all time and it too spawned a movie uh that we reviewed on here el camino and better call saul was just wrapped up his run which didn't make my list but a great great show it's in its own right so um, yeah, man. I I have to say, Oz, Ozymandias is maybe my favorite episode of television, like that's ever aired. Uh, directed by Ryan Johnson, that's like the core episode where, like, I feel it feels like that's the in some ways that's the climax of the entire show, energy and intensity. That's the one where everything gets revealed, people die, and like relationships are broken forever. And like a character has to just leave forever. You know, it's like, I don't want to reveal too much, but Ozymandias to me, like I remember my chest hurt for like hours after a while. I was just so stressful and it was so sad. And uh, yeah, I'll always like, I'll always think about that episode uh, in terms of like, wow, like if you want to really build a character arc, that's how you nail it. Um, Yeah, Breaking Bad, man. That is the modern day Ozymandias that we got to watch. My number four is Band of Brothers, 2001 Ah. War series, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, created by Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks. It's basically like a sequel to Saving Private Ryan. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of how I always looked at it. You know, they they created that movie. It was well received with sort of these revolutionary sort of in the foxhole boots on the ground filming techniques. And they're like, we need to do more of this. Um, And that basically... uh, uh, developed into the miniseries Band of Brothers, which follows Easy Company, uh, basically from their the days of training before the war and then throughout the war. Uh, Mike, this show, I mean, aside from it having some of the most breathtaking cinematography and, and war stuff ever put on film, uh, and this was in 2001, so, I mean, it really holds up. I watched it recently. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's amazing the way that they have the bumpers of real veterans talking about their experiences and then what we see occur after that it just feels really real it's it's raw it's in the mud you're right there with them you sort of feel the hell that these guys are going through and it uses it to incredible dramatic effect and i also appreciate how these the 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 soldiers feel like real people 
You know, like they're coming in and out of this story constantly. There's a lot of soldiers. Sometimes we'll see something and then they'll disappear or maybe they'll come back later on. Or, uh, you know, sometimes we'll focus in on one soldier who was kind of operating in the background the whole time. And then he'll get a big focus in an episode and then we'll never hear from him again. It just feels really realistic in the way where like in war, people are constantly coming and going. People are constantly living and dying. And Band of Brothers really sort of gave us that sense uh, throughout its run. Band of Brothers is my number two. I I love Band of Brothers. And I, I figured Band of Brothers would be up on your list somewhere. Um, yeah, I this, I read the book and this does follow the book very well. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've probably rewatched this maybe more than anything I will, like any show I've ever watched. Uh, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe like The Office to Frasier or something. But uh, yeah, Band of Brothers is... It is, you're right. It's one of those things that you can, like, I can't believe this was made in 2001 and it's 2023 now and you can watch it and you're like, oh, this is solid. Like it, it, I mean, yeah, it's maybe a little bit dated, but it still feels like it just came out because the storytelling is so good and the acting is so good. And uh, yeah, like I, 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 I just love this story. It's so heartbreaking, but inspiring it's so like moving and and like you know it i can't imagine anyone like watching this and being like oh wow war is great it's like as much as this is an incredible and like very moving war story it definitely makes you realize like man that is something no one should have to go through that's something no one should want to experience that's something like no one should want to send people into that like uh, but it does make you grateful too for those who have done it and like have come out the other side to try to make the world a better place. And that's that's a, definitely a story you can kind of tell with Band of Brothers. Like I, I think the final episode when it's finally revealed, uh, because for those who haven't seen it, each episode kind of tells a different um, like stage of of the story of Easy Company. And so, like, the, the opening episode's obviously about their training. Second episode's about, like, them being dropped in D-Day. Uh, third episode is about them taking the town of Carantan and, and so on and so on. But then each episode ends with, or it starts with, like, the real men. Like, and they're older men. And this was 2001 when this was filmed. And they were, they, you know, they were probably in their 80s or late 70s then. But, uh, and they're just talking on camera, like, for the first, like, two minutes of the the show about their experiences or whatnot but then at the in the final episode they actually kind of reveal who was who and you see like oh this character we've been following the whole time oh that was him and it's these men reflecting on the war and it's so moving and then i mean that final line of like the question my grandson asked me grandpa were you a hero in the war grandpa said no but i served in a company of heroes tears <laughs> like tears every time it's just so beautiful and i hope it makes us all want to be heroes in in the ways that we need to be so thank you to the men of easy company and to everyone who worked on that um the the, yeah, the, episode, the episode when we're following uh eugene Rowe around the battle of the bulge mm. and it's just the, like, the doctor he's the doctor yeah. everyone. He's, and we're yeah. basically just following him like the whole time just like him helplessly trying to help people and we just sort of get this sense of carnage in the battle of the yeah. world, and I'm not sure has really been put on screen. I mean, there's 
you know, we just talked about uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, the new one that came out. And that one does a pretty good job of showing the horror of war and some other films have as well. But uh, this miniseries really gives you time to sit with it and it takes its time telling the story. Um, and it, it, it remains one of the best things HBO has ever done, in my opinion. So, yeah. Uh, yeah what's, your, what's your number three? Uh, well, this, is, this will be my final one because The Wire was number one, uh, Band of Brothers was number two, um, and now that this is my last one on the list. For me, number three is, I mean, you know, it's The Office. I, uh, the mockumentary sitcom about, like, you know, the mundane lives of, uh, you know, Dunder Mifflin paper company employees in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, I have to say, like, I was actually someone who first got into the office when it aired. I remember it aired March 24, 2005, and I was in high school and I remember seeing a trailer for the show on NBC and I was like, "Hey, like and I didn't really watch TV anymore. Like I don't know why, I just didn't really watch like a lot of TV when I was in high school, but like all my everyone I knew was into the OC and i was like hey what's that show that looks really funny and i i i watched the pilot when it aired in 2005 yeah i'm that old kids uh do the math but um yeah i remember loving it i was like you guys have to watch this new show and they're like oh that doesn't look very funny but i was a fan from day one literally of day one of the office uh uh yeah obviously there's also the bbc series everyone should check out and it's been adapted for like a lot of different countries have their own like office now but yeah this is a show that's just it's telling the story of like the average people in America. Uh, it's very dated, but like that's okay. It, it, that was what life was like. It's a very, in some ways, it is kind of a documentary of what like being an office worker was like from those years in the like you know mid two thousands to like two thousand tens. And uh, yeah, like Michael Scott, uh, easily one of the greatest like TV characters of all time. Steve Carell, just legendary performance. But everyone was great. Rain Wilson, John Krasinski, Jenna Fisher, BJ Novak, uh, Laura Harden, uh, David Dunham, like Leslie David Baker, Brian Baumgartner, Kate Flannery, Angela Kinsey, Oscar Nunez, Phyllis Smith, Ed Helms, Mindy Kaling, Paul Everstein, Creed Bratton, Greg Robinson, Ellie Kemper, like Amy Ryan. Unbelievable. Everyone was so good in the show. And this is just, this is one of the funniest shows ever made. I love it. Yeah, the office is effortless, effortlessly funny. I mean, just the the entire vibe of it. I agree with Michael Scott. Perfectly cast. The characters bounce off each other, play off each other perfectly. Uh, office is not on my list, but yeah, an iconic show that has stood the test of time, and definitely one of those shows that ingrained itself into pop culture. I mean, how many memes, gifs, whatever of The Office? Uh, that show will never die because of it, and uh, uh, a truly. Uh, it's an achievement for the sort of mockumentary style that it went with. And we've seen some pretty good shows like parks and rec spoof it, uh, you know, pretty effectively. So uh, again, another landmark landmark show succession is my number three, Mike. I mean, I know mm. it's another show that's currently on right now created by I Jesse love Armstrong. Succession. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised it didn't make your list at all. I know it's not done. You seem to have, geared more towards shows you know that have completed their run and well uh, where, where, where i was a little more willing i think to throw in modern current shows uh, i was I really I, was, think I was burned i was burned by game of thrones so that made me feel less like you know until it's done let me see how it ends before i just call it one of my I favorites think, i think we've seen enough of succession to know it's going to be one of the best shows of all time 
absolute banger of a theme song fantastic oh, performances yeah. again a show that sort of gives us a glimpse into the elite and how miserable these people actually are no matter what they have uh the constantly warring factions of succession uh in a way you do get some <laughs> now i'm just putting this together but Game of Thrones and Succession kind of do have some similarities in certain ways where it's all these clashing, warring factions trying to get power. But uh, oh, yeah, fantastic no performances all the way across the board. The writing is hilarious. Uh, just the pairings that, you know, Greg and Tom Wom's games are just one of the best pairings I've ever seen on television. They yeah. make me laugh all the time. Super original show. The writing is clever. Uh, I, Succession is just, again, one of these shows that when you're watching it, you can't look away. And, uh, you know, for a lot of my shows on this list, that's what drew me. And that's what got them on my list is, is just how much they captivate me and how much I'm, I'm into it and how much I look forward to every single episode. Every one of these shows has that and succession. I was a little bit late to the party. I'm caught up now. Um, but, uh, in terms of our modern landscape, it's it's very relevant and applicable, um, but I think this show will, will ultimately be timeless and Succession. It's why it's on my list. Yeah, I love Succession. I I you know, like I said, I'm a little burned by Game of Thrones. I'm I'm cautious to add shows before they've ended. But uh, yeah, like as as we as we record this, Succession is currently in season four. And episode five, Kill List, has just aired. So we don't know what's going to happen in episode six yet, or we technically don't know the ending of the show yet. But yeah, man, this is definitely like one of my favorite shows. Like this is definitely like a sit down Sunday night. This is what we're doing show. Um, it's so smart. It's such a great like Shakespearean take on American, shall we say, royalty on um, the powerful like who control the the me like yeah who control the media um but it's it's also like one of those shows kind of like black mirror where it does feel like it's it's probably going to start mirroring real life in some ways i do wonder um as you know it's it's somewhat based on like the murdoch family and like the people that run fox news and even the trumps a little bit but i do wonder like as those successions take place in real life like will succession start like becoming a show where we're like ooh, it's kind of just like it's happening in real life now um because a lot of this stuff is based on real life and it's apparently very accurate to like what people at the top are actually like um yeah some of the best cringe humor and again very witty writing um it, it does feel like modern shakespeare and yeah if you haven't seen succession highly recommended it. uh, it's certainly my favorite show on tv right now it's just a testament to, th to the show that a lot of what's going on in the show is literally just people sitting around talking and making business deals. And yeah. it's infinitely entertaining. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it, it never gets dry or dull. So it's, uh, uh, you know, that's the performances in the writing. So that's it. We went through our list here, Mike. Let's read them back real quick just so people can, uh, you know, mark them down. My honorable mentions were This Is Us, Ozark, and The Sopranos. Uh, from 10 to 1, my favorite TV shows, Fargo, The Crown, The White Lotus, Barry, Black Mirror, The Wire, Band of Brothers, Succession, Breaking Bad, and the greatest show of all time, Game of Thrones. What's your list? My honorable mentions were Pride and Prejudice, Veep, and South Park, and then starting 10, going to 1, Wishbone, Whose Lies It Anyway, Seinfeld, Arrested Development, Game of Thrones, Frasier, Breaking Bad, The Office, Band of Brothers, and The Wire, number one for me. 
All right, and we're probably pushing over an hour here now, but obviously we had lots of uh, films that we, or mo- shows that we considered here. I'll just shout out some of the, some of the genre ones that I, I thought about putting on my list, but I just couldn't really quite get there. I thought Andor wasn't was I really considered it for this list. We have another season coming, so I didn't put it on yeah. there completely. Uh, but I think that's the best Star Wars content we've really gotten since Rogue One. Uh, True. I thought. And far as far as animated, I thought about Batman the animated series. I thought about that one too. Show, uh, absolute yeah. uh, neo noir vibe to it. For for something that sort of hit me, you know, kind of in my my nostalgia, I thought about throwing Boy Meets World on there. I think that's a great <laughs> show for what it is, but you know, I'm not going to put it on. Yeah. This. For documentary, there's something called The Jinx: The Life and Best of Robert Durst. Truly shocking series of documentaries, uh, which just the way that it unfolds. And then, you know, just random ones that I thought about. I thought about putting The Leftovers, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and The mm. are three others. Also Chernobyl, I considered. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I had Chernobyl as well. Um, okay, I'll just go through some of mine real quick. Chernobyl was one of them. Uh, the documentary Planet Earth. I've, I've watched that in a million times, and it's always interesting. Um, HBO's Rome, an amazing show about like the Roman Empire. The HBO did way before they did Game of Thrones, but it was like it was Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones. Rome is great. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. It was a tough wrestle with, between that and Seinfeld for me. Um, neither of us, neither of us said Mad Men. Uh, I haven't I seen fri- Mad Men. I love Mad Men. Mad Men's an incredible show. That was another one I almost said. Um, Black Mirror. I you had it. I'm thankful you had it. I said that, and then. Like this other show that like I I'm again I'm kind of shocked neither of us said it but Chappelle's show I I watched that show when I was in high school so much I loved Chappelle's show um, Rick James and Prince and you know Wayne Brady is a so good that show it was classic other ones that I'll just read off real quick that I considered uh, The Last of Us The Grand Tour uh, Lost. House of the Dragon, Westworld, Deadwood, um, The Plot Against America, Euphoria, Big Little Lies, Dexter. The first four seasons of Dexter probably are top ten in my book. Uh, Scrubs, I I think, is a very underrated comedy. True Detective, although some seasons are better than others. Girls, Downton Abbey, Better Call Saul, Orange is the New Black. Mm. There's another show I kind of thought about, too. John Adams on HBO. I really love that that miniseries. That it's always made me rethink about like the founding fathers and just you know the experience of like what it would have been like to have been alive during that time. Um, yeah, we, you know we both had a lot of HBO shows, especially your honorable mentions. Like you went through like I think I heard a bunch of just HBO names in there. It's Max. Please call it Max from here on out. Uh, We got to get out of here, man. I appreciate you doing the list. Uh, You got any final thoughts? I think we both had solid lists, but again, like you definitely see the difference where I kind of lean into drama like constantly where you, you definitely let a little more comedy into the sphere, but we had more different than I thought we would. Yeah, we did. I'm not surprised on the ones we had. I figured you'd have those ones, but uh, yeah, it was, there's a good list. I liked your list. Um, And Hey, like for those all, for all three of you who listen, uh, tell us what your lists are. Reach out to us. Tell us what your top 10 are and your honorable mentions. Uh, yeah. 
Sounds good. Well, uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, yeah, love to hear your list. I'm sure there's shows out there that some of you guys love that we, we miss. But, hey, we haven't watched everything. I haven't seen everything. And uh, I'll have to ask my dad for his because he'll have a better, uh, maybe some representation of some of the older shows out there. But uh, that's going to do it, I think, for today's episode of the Second Day Film Podcast. Appreciate everyone for listening. So for Mike Nichols, I'm Brandon Champion. We'll talk to you next time, and we'll see you at the